Would you open a Bible with me to the Old Testament book of Isaiah? I'll give you plenty of time to turn that to that in your Bibles. Flip over there in a physical Bible or scroll there in a digital copy of God's Word. However, you're accessing the greatest communication in all of the world. I'll meet you there in just a few moments in Isaiah chapter 40. Thank you for being here this morning. Wyatt, thank you for the thought that you put into the words that we were going to sing together today. You can always tell that Wyatt, in everything that he leads us in, is thinking carefully, his heart is in it. I personally appreciate that very, very, very much. And if you have been paying attention to the words that we have been singing together, they have lifted our gaze from what we see with our physical eyes and they have pointed us in the direction of home. And I'd like just to continue to build in that direction with you this morning. Shannon mentioned as he welcomed us that throughout the summer we have been singing why it drew our attention to the fact that throughout the summer we have sung a wide variety of powerful phrases, all revolving around this hymn, Higher Ground. We were blessed to have nine different guest speakers over the course of Wednesdays in July and August using these 130-plus-year-old words that disciples of Jesus have been singing for generations about home much like we have together this morning. It was week seven or eight. I'm a slow learner. But week seven or eight in singing that song before one phrase in particular struck me as I was sitting right over there on a Wednesday evening. And we have spent our time just dissecting phrase by phrase. We only had nine Wednesdays, and so clearly we weren't able to look at every single one of those phrases. But as we sang this phrase, I want to live above the world, I had to go back number one and make sure that I, I missed one of those. I was preaching out of town. I wanted to make sure, well, that's, that's not the one I missed, is it? And, and that wasn't the case. But for the next couple of Wednesdays, as we sang together, Higher Ground, it was this phrase that really struck me. As maybe a good way of putting a bow on that entire series. Thanks to the hard work of a variety of volunteers, that entire series is freely available at charlestown.org. You can watch that. You can listen to that. I would absolutely encourage you to make very good use of that resource. But what about this phrase? And really, in many ways, is this not the goal of that entire series? To get us to think about higher ground and not just to get us to think about it, not simply to gather us together to sing about it throughout the summer, but having been provoked by one another in singing that song, even as we will one more time 
this morning that we personally, that I, that you would be moved to say, that's what I want. Uh, the, the series, the enduring hymn, uh, th these classes, these sermons that we have been involved in, it, it is all pushing me in this direction. It, it's fueling me up. It's giving me what I need to know this is what I want to say. This is how it's possible. This is what it's going to take, but this is my heart's desire. I want to live above the world. What do we mean by that? Is your Bible open there to Isaiah chapter 40? I I just want to lean on a couple of Old Testament passages from the outset of our time together in God's Word to, to define what we might call the above reality. And then we'll get to us with life under the sun. If your Bible is open there to Isaiah 40, you begin reading with me in verse 18. It's one of many examples where our Father in heaven is consistently spoken of as being above the world. Begin reading with me there in verse 18. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? An idol. A craftsman crafts it, a, a, an idol, and a, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and, and casts it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Very common thing, obviously. 2,700 years ago to fashion something that I could look to as well. That's, that's my God, but that is the wrong direction. And, and that's brought out for us in verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Notice especially verse 22. It is he who sits above. God our Father is consistently spoken of as being above the world. Think with me about that this morning. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing. That leads us to foundational point number two. Open your Bibles with me. A few pages before this to Isaiah 14. When mere mortals think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. Where is our God? He is consistently spoken of as being above. And Isaiah chapter 40 emphasizes this God brings princes to nothing. He makes the rulers of the earth as 
emptiness. And so, for instance, in Isaiah chapter 14, we're listening to God speak to the king of Babylon, the greatest monarch on the face of the earth at that point in time. Notice what the God who is above says in verse 13, Isaiah 14. You said in your heart, king of Babylon, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Would you think with me this morning about how the king of Babylon isn't the only mere mortal to think like that at times. To act like that at times. And the God who is above has a way, it's documented all over the Bible, of bringing mere mortals back to earth, if you will. Putting them in their place. God says, no, no, no. You are brought down to Sheol. You, I'm going to bring you down to the grave, to the far reaches of the pit. It's an Old Testament example. Notice how Jesus spoke to the Roman governor, Pilate. Even as Pilate is the one unironically wearing the, the royal robes, he, he is the one who is looking at this palace in the great city of Jerusalem as his. And after all, here is Jesus. He doesn't look like much at all. He's the one in custody. He's the one that's been carried all over Jerusalem on trial. Listen to what Jesus said to Pilate, the governor, in John chapter 19 and verse 11. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. God our Father is consistently spoken of as being above. And when we think too highly of ourselves, He has a way of putting us in our place. Not just King of Babylon, not just Roman governor, but all of us. Isn't that why Christians are told in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, by grace, Grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. You see, this battleground is in your mind, in my mind, which is why. Verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12 remind us of the mercies of the God that is above. Remind us of our responsibility as His created image bearers to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. Holy and acceptable. That's our spiritual worship. Not to be conformed. Listen to the language. Do not be conformed to this world. 
So could I just ask you this morning what you really want? I mean, what good does it do not to be honest with myself? What do I really want? Not what someone wants for me, not what someone is recommending for me to want, but what do I really, where I am right now in life, what do I really want? Do I want to live above the world? I mean, as Wyatt was framing our thinking for the morning, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to convince me that, well, if all of this is true and there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, I, I, I think I would like heaven. And so Wednesday evening we focused on that phrase, till heaven I found. But, but here's the meantime. Do I want to live above the world? Not in the sense that I, I look at everybody else and somehow I'm higher than them, but, but in this sense. This, this world has a way of pushing and pulling and, and pressuring people to be conformed in order to be like the world. But here is our creator who is consistently spoken of as being above and, and he says, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by a new way of thinking, a, a renewed mind so that as you're in this world, you consistently have this as your anthem. I want to live above the world. And so I'm going to test what I see, what I hear, what I experience, what is offered to me in the world because what matters to me more than anything is the will of God. The world isn't good. The world isn't acceptable to its creator. The world is Far from perfect. Wouldn't you agree with that? But you know what is good and acceptable and perfect? It is the will of the God above. Is that what you want this morning? Are, are you willing to listen to this, this foundational truth that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Go with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. The above reality, God our Father, number one, consistently spoken of as being above the world. When mere mortals think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, God above has a way of putting them in their place. Even in just a sentence, the proud he opposes. The humble, he's willing to give grace. And thanks be to God this morning, as we've gathered together, we don't have to guess at a fuzzy idea of what that grace is. No, Jesus is the face of grace from above. Your Bible open there to John chapter 3. In verse 30, we, we hear briefly from John the Baptist. Here's John the Baptist's 
way of thinking. Here's his mental anthem. He must increase, I must decrease. Could I encourage you to tuck that in your back pocket and carry it out of this building with you this morning? You want to live above the world? What a great mindset. He must increase, I must decrease. After all, he's above. I'm a mere mortal. He must increase, I must decrease. And then John, in verse 31, intervenes and gives us this bit of commentary. He who comes from above is above all. You believe that this morning? Jesus is above you. Jesus of Nazareth, who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, is above you. Do I believe that? Jesus is above me. He who is of the earth, that's me, that's you, belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. And this is the way not just John talked about Jesus, but Jesus talked about himself. In John chapter 8 and verse 23, he said, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you you would die in your sins. Jesus have the right to tell you that? He most certainly does. Because he's from above. He's, he, he's not of this world. He has the right to say, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He has the right to say that most most certainly he does. What he's seeking to do is to teach us to be in this world, uh, of this world in the sense, this, this is where I live. This is the world into which I was born. I had a beginning, but what he is pointing us to is to how to live above the world. And every single one of us has messed that up. (laughs) But Jesus is the face of grace from above. Here's how the Hebrew writer summarized it in Hebrews 7, verse 25. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted. You see, Jesus started above, For a little while he came and walked among us, but where is he now? He is exalted above the heavens. So let's see if we can't put some practical legs on this. Open with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 89. What is it going to mean for me to live? What's it going to mean for you to live above the world. 
God is consistently spoken of as being above the world. He's got a way of humbling mere mortals. Jesus has walked among us as the face of grace above. Okay, I hear all of that. I hear that news. Maybe I heard that a good long time ago. What's that going to look like for me this week to live above the world? Your Bible open there to the book of Psalms? Begin reading with me in Psalm 89, verse 5. Psalm 89, verse 5. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones. An awesome above... All who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? Okay, in many ways, those are the sorts of songs that Wyatt has led us in this morning. What are we going to carry with us from those songs, from these passages, out of this building into the world? Turn a few pages over to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. What's it going to mean for me to live above the world? Well, I've got to humble myself beneath his mighty hand. And by his good design, every first day of the week, you've got that opportunity. I've got that opportunity. As we read and study and sing anthems like Psalm 95 verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above. Above all gods. Psalm 96 Verses 4 and 5, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Psalm 97 verse 9, for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. Psalm 135, verse 5, I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. And so we've got someone like David, for instance, teaching people to say this, to sing this in their own generation. 1 Chronicles 29, he, he leads the people in, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So let me ask you. This week, do you want to live like the world? Or do you want to live above the world? And would you 
come face to face with this reality with me this morning. I can't live above the world and live as if I'm the most important being in the universe. You want to live above the world? That's God's territory. Live this week like He is the biggest, most important being in all of the universe. Go with me to the New Testament book of James chapter 3. What's it going to mean for us to live above the world? Well, if He is the biggest, most important being in all of the universe, doesn't it make sense that I... I would listen to him. None of this of the world stuff that nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. What matters most is what I think and what I feel. No. If I want to live above the world, I need to listen to the one who resides there. James chapter 3 verse 13. Who's wise and understanding among you? By, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, you don't have to go very far to see that in the world, do you? There are plenty of men and women consumed by bitterness. That's where their hearts are set. That's the, the frequency to which their minds are, are currently to Bitter jealousy. You want to live like the world this week or above the world this week? You, you don't have to look far and wide to see people living with selfish ambition in their hearts. And, and you see, they're, they're boasting and lying against the truth because they're not treating God as the most important being in all of the universe. But we are to be different. That's not the wisdom from above. That's earthly and unspiritual and demonic. The fruit of that is jealousy and selfish ambition and disorder and every vile practice. And so the question is, do you want to live like the world this week or do you want to live above the world this week? And if you want to live above the world, you can't think and act and treat other people like the world. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. What do I really want? Go with me a little deeper. 1 Peter chapter 2. If I'm going to live above the world, okay. I, I, I've acknowledged not everybody treats God as the most important being in the universe. And plenty of people are marching according to the wisdom of this world. And, and I can't control how they act. I can't control how they think. I, I can't control the way they treat others. And so... Is there an example I can find from above to help me when life gets hard? Peter says, I'm glad you asked. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. This is a gracious thing. You remember, Jesus is the face of grace from above. This is a gracious thing when my mind isn't set right here. 
I'm mindful of God. And there are going to be times when sorrows come into my life because of the behavior of other people. There are going to be times when suffering is brought into my life and it's unjust suffering. We're not talking about getting what you deserve because of the way you acted. What, what credit is it if you, when, when you sin or beaten for it and, and you endure? But Peter says, I'm talking about when you do good, you do the right thing and you still suffer for it and you endure Your face is a little more like the face of grace from above. In fact, this is what you've been called to because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, when things were said about him that were not true. He didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. What did he do? He endured with trust in God above. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges Justly, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It's his wounds that have helped us to heal. We're the ones who are straying like sheep. He's the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And what does he want for us? He wants to help us be recipients of his steadfast love. You see, this isn't just theoretical. This isn't just church talk. This is about life. Here's the above reality as it's put in Psalm 103. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Listen, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Here's how the New Testament puts it. Every good gift, every perfect gift, it's from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So let me ask you, do you want to live like the world who, who treats this day as their playground, even though it's not their sun that rose, even it's, though it's not their beautiful world in which they live. But I'm going to treat this day as nothing more than a beautiful day to golf. And I'm going to treat this week as nothing more than the time that I have to build my own little kingdom. And I'm going to treat this world and this time in which I live as if no one matters more than me. Or am I going to live 
above the world? Am I going to live for the sake of His name? Go with me to Philippians 2 where we'll be in just a moment. As you're turning there, you listen with me to Psalm 148, verses 11, 12, and 13, where kings of the earth, you see, there is a God above, and he has a way when mere mortals get a little too big for their britches of humbling them, bringing them down. And so here's the above reality. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Your Bible open there to Philippians 2. Here's how, how Christians are spoken to. Jesus the face of grace from above has been highly exalted by God, bestowed the name that is above every name. Whose name am I going to live for this week? Do I want to live like the world and just make my name as grand as I possibly can? Or am I going to live above the world for the sake of someone else's name. The name at which every knee is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I can't live above the world and live for myself. Let's end in 1 John chapter 2 if you'll turn your Bibles there. What's it going to mean for us to live above the world? It means we're going to serve and we're going to shine and we're going to share this news as citizens of the kingdom that is above. This is the entire arc of the Bible story. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied a day was going to come when the mountain of the house of the Lord would be established as the highest of the mountains and lifted above all of the hills. And all of the nations would flow to it and there would be news coming from this mountain. We can come to the house of God. He is willing to teach us His ways so that we can walk in His paths. The way that was shared in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when people said, what do I need to do to live like that, to enjoy that? They were told to turn away from the ways of the world. Turn away from their sin. Be buried with Jesus in baptism so that they might be raised to walk in newness of life. Here's Paul in Colossians 3 saying, listen, if you've done that, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. You can't live above the world and live as if this world is all there is. Christ Jesus is seated above at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him. 
in glory. What do you want? What do you really want this week and for your life and for the rest of your life? You want to live like the world? Or do you want to live above the world? Here's how God lands the plane for us in 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17. Be careful what you love. Be careful about loving this world or the things that are in this world because if you love this world, you're putting something ahead of your creator. And all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's not from above, it's, it's from the world. And this world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. What do you want? I want to live above the world. We're going to sing that one more time here at the unofficial end of summer. And as we do, I hope the words of Jesus in John chapter 16 ring in your ears. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So why would I ever live as if this is the greatest prize that could ever be won? Maybe you realize this morning from our tour of God's Word, you've been barking up the wrong tree. You've been following the wrong path. You've been focused on the wrong things. Your mind has been set on the wrong place. We're going to sing together and to our Father in Heaven about higher ground. And in the beginning of that third verse, we're going to sing, I want to live above the world. And if that's your desire this morning, we can help you in realizing that desire. Would you let us know how we can help you? By coming to the front while we stand and sing together.